Hi, it's Rob Beardsley with Lone Star Capital. We deliver monthly cash flow for hundreds of investors through vertically integrated and tech-forward Texas workforce housing investments. Today, I wanted to talk about the difference between return of capital and return on capital and the way that they are treated in a tax purpose as well as in a partnership waterfall. But before we dive in, if you're interested in learning more about investing with us, please click the link below to join our investor list and stay up to date with our latest investment opportunities. So there's a lot of confusion around uh, whether distributions are a return on capital, return of capital, what is good and what is bad for investors. And obviously there are many different partnership structures, so you can't apply the same uh, thinking or methodology across all partnership structures. But I just want to explain kind of some of the the ways that we work things and some of the misconceptions. So so first of all, typically speaking, for economic purposes, in terms of a waterfall, right, distributions are a return on capital. And specifically, the distributions are a return on capital in order to service the preferred return. So all distributions are first made to satisfy the preferred return. And thereafter is where things get funky. Right. Some people have a return of capital in excess uh, for distributions in excess of the preferred return. Some go straight to a cash flow split. Right. So for the first seven or eight percent go to investors as a preferred return. And then if there's excess distributions to be made, then those are split at, let's say, 70, 30. So that would be called a cash flow promote um, in an IRR based preferred return the actual uh, excess distributions above and beyond the preferred return would actually be return of capital. And, you know, this is perfectly fine. This is the standard institutional way to go because it's simply a compounding function, right? And the compounding works both ways. The compounding works when there's a shortfall, right? So if there's only 6% cash flow distributed to investors and that there's an 8% preferred return, well, that shortfall of 2% is going to accrue to the following pay period and add on and be added on to the capital account, essentially compounding the 8% preferred return. Um, and right in there, it's, 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 the re- it's the opposite of a return of capital. It's an addition to, of capital, right? So if an investor invested 100000 and they only received 6% in a cumulative and compounding IR, uh, preferred return, which is an IRR-based hurdle, right? They will effectively, by year two, be invested $102,000 in the project because they're carrying over the two thousand dollars that they were not paid from the year one preferred return right and then of course that compounding has to work in opposite where if 10 percent is returned in a given year the first eight satisfies the preferred return and then that final two thousand dollars actually goes towards paying down the capital account from a hundred thousand down to ninety two thousand or ninety eight thousand rather so that's kind of generally speaking the economic treatment of uh, distributions now of course the mistake that sometimes happens or or people think about it incorrectly is when they think about the first step in the payment uh, priority is a return of capital. And that's because you can't really have a preferred return if your first step is a return of capital, right? For example, just take it to its logical conclusion. If all distributions are made to just pay down the capital account and then satisfy the pref, well, by the time the capital account reaches zero, you can't have a pref, right? You can't have a preferred return based on a zero capital account. So it's really, it's illogical and doesn't make sense to start with a return of capital and then move to the pref and then go to the promote. Um, you know, really the, the standard way to go is, you know, first all 
distributions go towards satisfying the PREF. And then, of course, there's deviations as far as what you do thereafter, whether it's a return of capital or there's a cash flow split and the sponsor gets to dip into their promote prior to returning all capital to investors. So again, that's the economic treatment in a you know partnership or syndication waterfall. Now, as far as tax purposes, and this is where it gets complicated because your distributions in an investment can be treated differently, whether it's for partnership purposes or for tax purposes. And of course, for tax purposes, everything is done to optimize the tax benefits of these investments. So to the extent possible, which most of the time it is, uh, we're able to get distributions to be treated as return of capital. And the reason why that's beneficial is you're obviously not taxed on a return of capital. If you're getting return on capital for tax purposes, that's income and it's taxable, but return of capital is not taxable. So for tax purposes, to the extent possible, you want your distributions to be treated as return of capital. And what, what this does is it not, it, so the way it works is you don't have uh, in, you don't have income, so you don't pay taxes for that distribution, but it does lower your capital account. So it reduces your basis in the investment so that when you actually do finally sell your gain will be larger, right? So you'll be subject to a larger capital gain in the future, which ideally will be a long-term capital gain, which is a more favorable tax treatment than if you were to receive income upfront. So that's how you, uh, you know, should optimize your treatment of distributions for tax purposes. And then of course, that's where things can get tricky in trying to navigate, understanding how the, there are differences between the partnership structure and return on and return of capital, as well as tax treatment for return on or return of capital. Thanks for watching.